Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown, just like he has for every opponent preview that we have done so far, is co-host Will Miles. You can also find his work at readandreaction.com. And on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Well, next comes up uh, one of the the weaker opponents besides Kentucky, probably in the SEC East, and that's going to be Vanderbilt. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt has been giving Florida some tough games the last few years, but obviously um, has been a traditional doormat in the SEC East, and and uh, for for various reasons. But a lot of those guys that James Franklin recruited are uh, are gone now, and so we'll see whether that that bodes well for the uh, for the Mason regime there at Vandy. Yep, Derek Mason uh, continues uh, his track, and it'd be it, I'll be interested to know like how much of a hot seat he's on now uh, going into this season. Um, you know, I think it's going to take uh, it, it would take another seller, you know, finish there uh, for him to get uh, probably hot seat talk because you know he's loved by the players, and I know around SEC Media Day talk uh, of him was being you know one of the best interviews there, and he's a people person, but uh, you got to start winning games uh, eventually there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much patience they have at Vanderbilt. I mean, right. obviously, Franklin has probably changed the expectations of what can be done there. But, you know, when they had Jay Cutler there before, mm-hmm. that changed that changed some of the expectations there as well. And, you know, I, it's not as if they're winning the East on a regular basis. And I, and I, to be honest, I'm not sure that Vanderbilt's really interested in eating the money that they would have to to make the change at, at coach. In the past, they've had their coaches picked off because they've been successful. So, uh, you know, and that's one of the other things to consider is who do you bring in next if if for some reason Mason struggles? I mean, it's either a young up-and-comer who's going to get picked off by the Penn States of the world or, um, you know, you, you let Mason build something there and hopefully have like a Frank Beamer situation like a Virginia Tech where he comes in, he has a few years that are substandard, but then builds the program into something that it hasn't been before. So, you know, I think Mason's dealing with sort of a tough hand at Vanderbilt. There's certainly uh, – Tough to follow James Franklin, but uh, you know he's had them ready to play in some of these games for Florida, particularly the ones that have been in Gainesville, and I expect he'll do the same this year. All right. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes. Hey, look, our past opponent previews are up there all the way up to now uh, to Vanderbilt, so Mississippi State, LSU, Tennessee, all those opponent previews up there on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. 
Also, listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. And follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Hey, look, while using all those services, please rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And, Will, as I just mentioned there, you know, Vanderbilt, uh, this game's going to be coming off uh, two tough games between um, LSU and Mississippi State uh, back-to-back and then follow that up with Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's tough every year when you when you come off of those games where you're getting beat up. I mean, I think a lot of it will probably depend on how Florida is doing at that point, whether they're riding high off of some big wins, whether it's sort of been so-so or whether it's been a disaster thus far in terms of how things will go. Certainly, I think the season, regardless of how it goes, will hold together better than it did last year. And, and you know, with that said, I think Florida clearly has the talent advantage in this one. Yeah, and you know, this is the game uh, where Florida controlled for the most part last season. You know, then, then they let Vandy come back and it took a Malik Davis fourth uh, fourth down uh, touchdown one run for 39 yards to put the game away. Um, the Gators had five touchdowns uh, between P. Ryan and Davis last year and ran for 218 yards. So, you know, let's see if, if, if Florida can do that again uh, against uh, a Vanderbilt defense, and we'll get to the end. You know, that returns most of the starters there. Uh, but, you know, as far as this season goes and, and what Vanderbilt needs to fix for this season, Court, quarterback Kyle Shermer, who you know I'm I'm, I'm okay on. Uh, you know he's not going to blow you away, but he's you know he, I think he is kind of uh, the reason they can put anything together on offense, especially because Ralph Webb's no longer there. Uh, and even with him, they still had trouble running the ball last season. So uh, the defense uh, go go to that side of the ball now. You know wasn't a traditional Derek Mason defense, and just couldn't hold up as the season went on. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the story of Vanderbilt, right? You get a couple of injuries. You don't really have the horses there. And it, as you get into the teeth of the uh, of the SEC schedule, that's really where they start to struggle. In the first, I mean, you know, it was a tie game coming out of the first half against Florida. And, uh, you know, in the second half, Florida was able to take over a little bit. Though I will say the one thing I remember about that game specifically is Florida had a lot of trouble shutting down Shermer through the air. Um, and, that, and that was sort of a harbinger of some of the things that were going to come in the future for Florida, um, you know, where the defensive backs really weren't that good last year, at least not statistically that good last year. And, uh, you know, Shermer was able, to, was able to pick them apart pretty good. And, and he's not – I mean, he's a good quarterback, I guess. He's not great. So, you know, last year he averaged 7.4 yards per attempt. He lost two and a half yards per rush. He only had 34 rushes, but still losing yardage. So basically just sacks. Um, yards above replacement was a stat that I calculate. He's negative 0.47. Much, mm. much better than Felipe Franks was last year, but much below average. So mm. you get below average quarterback play, Ralph Webb leaving. Um, you know, this is something where I can see the bottom falling out at Vanderbilt on the offensive side of the ball if Shermer doesn't take a big step forward. Yeah, he's got seven, uh, you know, along with him, seven starters are back. Uh, but as you just mentioned here, 24.6 points a game and only 351 yards a game. Uh, so offensive line struggled uh, at times last year. They lose their best playmaker in, in Ralph Webb. But as I said, you know, they still really couldn't run the ball uh, last year. And also, it kind of just seems like Kyle Shermer's been there forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know why. It just seems like he's been there for a, a good long while. Uh, uh, but as I said, uh, 244 yards uh, per game there for him. Uh, you know, it's just, um, as you said, he I guess he, he's just not really anything special. Uh, but for them, school record, 26 touchdowns. Uh, so more than, you know, you go back and, you should, as you said, Jay Cutler uh, there. So, you know, they were able to throw the ball, especially late in the season against Tennessee there. Uh, 2,823 yards, 10 picks. Uh, so, you know, he's got to cut down on those picks, uh, 58% uh, of his throws. So, you know, 
he has a, enough arm to push it deep at times. And we saw him test the Florida defense uh, uh, as well, as you said. Uh, but, you know, without his best weapon in, in Webb and him going to probably be the focal point of the offense now, I mean, can, can, can they run the ball enough to help him out? Because I think he's going to need it. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look two years ago, he completed 42.7% of his passes. Um, last year, I'm sorry, three years ago, two years ago, he completed 54.4 in a full season of work. And last year, he completed 57.9. If he improves that up to 60%, maybe it's enough to carry Vanderbilt's offense. But he's going to have to be in that 63, 64% range, particularly because he's never averaged more than 7.4 yards per attempt. And the average in the NCAA is 7.3. In his career, he's at 6.7. So again, he doesn't run the ball. He's not a threat with his legs. He doesn't complete a high percentage of his passes. And when he does complete them, they don't go for an extended <laughs> for extended length down the field. It's hard to score points when your quarterback does that. And Webb, quite honestly, has been able to mask some of that with some of those big plays that they've gotten out of the running game as opposed to relying on the passing game. They're going to have to get some plays through the passing game this year in order to score points. And, you know, we'll see whether Shermer's up to that task. His just you know, historical patterns. No, most quarterbacks, when they see two or three percent jumps in their uh, completion percentage, don't all of a sudden jump up and be, you know, they don't jump up to 65 percent. It doesn't typically happen. I wouldn't expect it to happen here with the lack of a running game and uh, and and just an extra year of experience. Yeah, they had trouble grinding uh, last year, as you said. They're going to have to go through the air, uh, especially if they don't improve from last year. 1,286 yards and only 14 scores uh, on, on the ground. They do have an Illinois transfer, Kayshawn Vaughn, uh, coming in. So there, you know, but go back and look at who he's, re- who he's replacing in Ralph Webb. Top 10 all-time SEC rusher, uh, Vanderbilt, Kerry Vanderbilt offense for 4,178 yards, 32 touchdowns in his career. Uh, you know, just a just a steady back there who got the ball a lot uh, in his time at Vanderbilt. But Vaughn, go back to him from from Illinois, seven hundred twenty three yards, six scores uh, in his freshman year uh, at Illinois. Reduced down to three hundred one yards and only three touchdowns last year. So don't know what happened there. Why he's uh, transferring to Vanderbilt? You know, especially after a year uh, where his stats went down. But maybe he's kind of a guy who can who can spark their run game. Because uh, they were three and one last year when they ran for 170 yards or more, uh, and uh, seven and one over the last two years when they hit that mark. So you know if they can, you know, and a lot of teams are like this, but it kind of seemed to be a magic point for them. You know, you, uh, you run the ball for more than 170 yards, uh, you're going to have some success. But uh, they just couldn't do it last year, averaging three yards per carry uh, six times uh, when it when, um, when when that ground ground game went nowhere. So uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to look on the positive side, um, on the offensive line, they've got three seniors. So their center, Bruno Reagan, their, uh, their right guard, um, Delaripa, and then uh, and then their left tackle, Justin School, are all seniors. Um, all three star guys, too, which is you know reasonably high-ranked for Vanderbilt. And then Sage Young is a junior at left guard, and then they've got a sophomore, Devin Cochran, at right tackle. But there's some continuity there on the offensive line, and obviously continuity makes a difference and and has made a difference in the past for, for teams like Vanderbilt. And that's one of the things that Vanderbilt has to rely on is continuity in the offensive line, building a program over a four-year period. They can't necessarily rely on bringing in four- and five-star guys to compete with the four- and five-star guys with Alabama and Florida and Georgia and all those guys. So um, I do think the experience on the offensive line will make a difference. Um, I think we'll probably see um, – 
you know, there, there'll probably be some plays that, that, you know, a younger offensive line wouldn't be able to deal with and maybe some things that they can do against less experienced defensive lines and be able to take advantage of that. The problem they're going to have is that Florida's defensive line is not, is not an experienced, um, you know, you can argue about its effectiveness, but you can't say that they're not, that they're, that they're inexperienced because Florida's returning an awful lot of, uh, an awful lot of experience as well. So, um, but that's the one bright spot on the offense that I'd look at for Vanderbilt is their offensive line is experienced and that makes a difference. Yeah, and now if we go to the other side of the ball, what Derek Mason's known for is defense. Um, didn't do it uh, uh, last year. Kind of started the season where you thought that side of the ball uh, may be kind of w- what we've known the Vanderbilt defense to be uh, under Derek Mason. But once they had that, I mean, look, remember, go back to last year. Remember they had that, that pretty good start um, over the first three games, uh, allowed 13 points. Uh but they did play Middle Tennessee, Kansas State along the way. And they had that game against Alabama, and that was the week before. <laughs> and that was the week before Florida, I believe. And you know, there was I remember there was there was some talk of oh yeah, Alabama's coming to town. Vanderbilt's playing good. They're three zero. They're they're coming off a win against Kansas State, and I think it was like a what fifty one to nothing game or something like that. <laughs> uh, I think Alabama had got tired of, of that talk uh, going into that game. So after that game, you know, or or starting with that game, it got really ugly. Uh, gave up thirty four points or more in seven of the last ten games, and of course they lost them all. Yeah, and they really got run over starting with that Alabama game. I mean, you know. I don't know exactly what the final score was, but it felt like it was 40 to nothing in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. um, on on a, Against FBS teams, they were 108th in yards per play on the, at the running, uh, on the running side of the ball, gave up 5.3 yards per play. Um, you know, for reference, Florida, <laughs> Florida was sort of middle of the pack and, and only gave up. Uh, so Florida was 54th and they gave up 4.2. So a full yard, actually more than a full yard, more per play that Vanderbilt was given up. And obviously that's something that we saw in the Florida game where Malik Davis in particular was able to run rough shot over the Vanderbilt defense, but it's not as if they were much better against the pass. They were 75th in defensive pass yards per play at 7.5 yards per play. And again, that's just not going to get the job done in any way, shape or form. And uh, you know, they had the 91st overall defense in terms of yards per play. It just wasn't good last year. Now, you know, we we talked about Tennessee in one of the previews having their two leading tacklers being uh, being safeties. Well, the same thing happened in Vanderbilt. Apparently, in Tennessee, you're not allowed to have anybody but safeties lead your team in tackles. But Ladarius Wiley had 88 tackles, only one tackle for loss. That's really indicative that your defensive line is getting beat and that the and that the safety is being forced to clean it up. And every once in a while, safety is going to take a bad angle and a big play is going to hit. And you know those are the sorts of things that happen. I mean, the you know the game winning run for Malik Davis, and that's exactly what happened. Is they gashed it, the safety couldn't get there, and turned into the touchdown that McElwain didn't want. <laughs> I forgot about that part of the game that he didn't want. Yeah, <laughs> and I went back and looked. They lost fifty nine to nothing. So to, to Alabama, so I was close was there. Worse than you thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to give him a little bit of credit, eight points credit, but no. Um, so only four stars returning on this defense uh, that needs a, a, a lot of work done, uh, needs a complete overhaul. Uh, they lose um, on the front three. Uh, they lose Johnson Wynn. And if I, I don't know if I had to say this guy's name, so it doesn't matter. He's gone. Um, eight, of the top, <laughs> eight of the top 13 tackers are gone. So – we mentioned how the, they struggled last year, but eight of the top 13 from that team. So it may be addition by subtraction. We'll have to figure out uh, uh, what they can do there with that. I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, is that, um, 
a lot of those guys would have played last year if they were any better than the guys who'd been starting, you would yeah, think. Yeah. And, and it's not, and like I said, it's not as if these guys bring in recruiting classes that are top 20 um, and are, and have people that are ready just to plug and play. I mean, Ada Ingbo had 13 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. And he's back Charles Wright, the Jack linebacker. Um, he had, uh, he had 43 tackles, nine tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. So they do have some guys who've caused some havoc in the backfield. Um, but certainly also some guys who got run over quite a bit too. And you wonder whether some of those sack numbers um, come from gambling and getting out of their gaps. And maybe that's why they were so bad against the run. Um, it, yeah. I mean, at the end of the, at the end of the day, Vanderbilt last year, wasn't a fantastic defense at all by any stretch of the imagination. They only got sacks on about three and a half percent of their total tackles as a ratio. That's really, that's relatively low. Um, Florida was even lower, but you know, you look at teams like Alabama, they're typically up in that four and a half to 5% range of the total tackles that are in the backfield. So, um, you know, just not an explosive defense. They're not really adding anybody that I would look at and say, oh, this guy absolutely makes them a whole lot better. Um, you know, they've got Josh Smith at middle linebacker, a four-star guy, um, you know, who's a senior and, and you know, a decent player, but still 21 tackles, four for loss, two sacks. So it's not as if he was like putting up crazy numbers last year either. So, um, you know, they're, it's Vanderbilt. They're going to struggle. It's one of those things where Mason has been uh, – you know, I, I think in some capacity has been resting on some of Franklin's players and, and that's going to end. Yeah. So like I said, not a lot of returners coming back, but three of the four starters uh, that played uh, in their last game against Tennessee uh, to end the season, they're, they're coming back. So they got some there do need to be better against the run. As you mentioned, that, that seemed to be the, the weakest link, and especially in the sec where we know as physically as it can get the trenches, that's where Vanderbilt has to get better. Um, and you mentioned Ladarius Wiley, uh, one of the SEC's uh, bet, better safeties there. Second team in tackles, uh, 88 stops, uh, had an interception, five pass breakups. Uh, so, you know, maybe with a new attitude and, and a new defensive coordinator, uh, that's where Vanderbilt can get uh, to get, get better on that side of the ball. But there's just really not to look a lot to look at here, especially, you know, look, when you're struggling – it just as far as stats go, of stopping the run, or and can even hardly you know have trouble stopping the pass. Got to create some turnovers, and that's where they really struggle too. Uh, Jason Tarver, that's the new defensive coordinator. He's coming in, uh, going to try and shake some things up, and probably and probably that. But you know, this is kind of where they had good good Vanderbilt and bad bad Vanderbilt. So generated five turnovers, all interceptions in the first three games. That's when they went three and zero. After that, just two interceptions over the last nine games. Only four takeaways overall those last nine games. So, fumble uh, recoveries dead last in the nation with just two. Yeah, well, they only forced eight. And so if you're only forcing eight fumbles, you know, that's a little bit bad fumble luck. You'd think you'd recover four of yeah. them. But even that, I mean, that's not that's not a whole lot of turnovers. And I think that, again, I think that goes back to pressure. So if you're getting pressure on the quarterback, if you're getting push up front, then – you start to generate turnovers because you make the quarterback backpedal. You make the quarterback make decisions quicker than you want him to. And, you know, that just wasn't something that happened though. Obviously they did hurt Del Rio last year and, and pressured him. But um, beyond that, I mean, Felipe Franks had a really good second half in that game and wasn't really under any sort of pressure at all. And if you look overall Vanderbilt, um, they're starting 22, according to Phil Steele's magazine, 
if you look at their 24-7 um, national rating, it's an 85.6. Florida's at 91.3. We already talked about Kentucky. Kentucky's at 87.1. So Kentucky is a step above Vanderbilt, and it's pretty a pretty significant step above Vanderbilt in terms of overall talent. And then if you look at the defensive line, this is really where Florida should take advantage. So the defensive line for Florida is at 91.8. The defensive line for Vanderbilt is 83.2. So there is an enormous talent gap between Florida's defensive line and and Vanderbilt's defensive line. And you know you can understand why they'd struggle against the run or why we'd expect them to struggle against the run. They just don't have the horses there in the starting 22. And the guys behind them aren't going to be any higher ranked or at least aren't going to be much better. And so um, – you know, there just isn't going to be the depth. You are getting to that point in the season where injuries are starting to play a toll here. You know, you go through that game at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, then LSU, and now you got the Vanderbilt game with Georgia on the other side of the bye. The players could be looking towards that bye, just needing the week off to, to get healthy. And, you know, hopefully Vanderbilt is uh, just as beat up as Florida is coming into this one. But this is a place where injuries can start to take a toll, but Florida has more talent overall and should be able to weather that. Yeah, and going back and just looking at stats against Florida last year, I mean, this look, this was the game, Felipe Franks, not too bad. As you mentioned, Del Rio went out. He was 7 of 11 for 64 yards at the time. Franks, 10 of 14 for 185 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but you go back and look at it, probably his best game. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I mean, if you go back, so I think it was encouraging at the time because he had been yanked out of the mm-hmm. out of the Michigan game, he'd been yanked out of the out of the Kentucky game, and then he comes back in after the Del Rio injury, and you're like, okay, well, what are we going to get here? Um, it was a mixed bag. I mean, he hit a long throw when he first came in, a big sort of a big post to Tyree Cleveland, um, and then he missed Cleveland to end the half, and they had to for, they had to settle for a field goal, even though he had Cleveland open in the end zone, um, and then the second half was you know it was okay. But when you go back and look at it, there were some throws that were into spots where they shouldn't have been. There were throws that were inaccurate. There was another play I remember where he threw a swing pass to uh, to a running back and uh, you know threw it behind him, so he fell, and so they had to settle for a field goal there um, on one drive as well. So you know, good and bad, which is something we saw with Franks all year last year. He didn't turn over the ball against Vanderbilt, and that was really sort of the big difference. Is you know when he fumbled the ball or when he threw interceptions, he'd sort of go into a shell. We saw that against uh, Texas A&M in particular. And at that point, then Florida really struggled. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, Frank's played pretty well. I, but again, who's he playing against? Yep. <laughs> He's playing against the 95th ranked defense or something like that. So you would expect him to play well, even if he's even if he's not uh, not completely comfortable. And Malik Davis' stat line for that game: 17 carries, 124 yards, 7.3 yards. I uh, carry two touchdowns. We all, like I said, mentioned earlier uh, when he had put the game away in the in the fourth quarter there. So. As we mentioned, they, they really struggled stopping the run, and we, I think we kind of knew how explosive Malik Davis was coming into this game uh, after after a few uh, you know a few runs in, in previous games. But this is the game he really let loose in. Yeah, this is the one where I think we started to realize it wasn't just a one-hit wonder. It wasn't just Kentucky. It wasn't just that one play against Tennessee. Um, this was something where it's like, okay, when it's third and two and he's got to sort of find the three yards, he's capable of doing that. And certainly if he can bring that to the field this year coming off of the injury, that'll be a big deal for Florida because you know those third and two, third and three, those sorts of things where you can convert them into first downs and move the chains are really, really important. And that wasn't something that Florida could do last year after David went out with the injury all right well that's about it for uh vanderbilt uh still a game you know looking at it right now a game i still think florida should pretty easily win 
Florida has to win this game. Yeah. You, you can't lose to, to traditional doormats in the SEC East and expect to have successful seasons. It just doesn't work that way. And there's enough of a challenge in the SEC. You got LSU coming from across the way, Mississippi State as well. Um, if you're dropping games to Vanderbilt, you're in trouble. Yeah, hopefully. Not something we have to discuss in Dan Mullen's uh, first year. So remember, you can uh, find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his work at ReadAndReaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>